Well, I want to have you think about this right now. Uh, uh, Everybody here uh, needs to understand that when you go to live life, that what happens is your life is found by um, experiencing certain things. And so what happens is God, hopefully, is a part of your life. But if not, even if he's not, I want you to know he affects everything in your life in one way or another. But all of us live our lives usually in what we call the lower story. And in the lower story, what happens is you're living life and your focus is almost always out here. So you're always looking out here at what's going on, looking at circumstances, and that dictates usually your attitude and your way of thinking. And then what happens is you're not aware that in the lower story, everything's being affected by God in the upper story. See, God is is interacting with us. And when you're in love with the Lord, when you're in tune with him, more than ever, you begin to understand that. You begin to discover that. That's what Jesus tried to show us when he began to live his life on this earth. One of the reasons he lived, not the only one, but one, so we would be able to understand how to live the best life ever by modeling it after him. And in Luke 9, 22, you see something really important. Jesus lived his life according to something called the must. He must do this. He must make it happen. It determined everything he did, everything he said, every place he went. And you're going to see today, get ready for this, when he went there. Now, this gets really important, really important. But it comes down to that when he went there moment. And so I want you to be aware of that. And so are we living our lives according to the must? Well, we probably aren't if we're focused on the lower story, if we're focused on our circumstances, if we're focused on other people. I'm going to ask you a question. Get ready. Because I'm going to have you answer by raising hands. How many of us have lived our life going along, going along, and then what happened is we began to stop and we look back. Instead of looking out here, we look back and we discover God was doing things. God was, how many of you have experienced that? Like you look back and go, Lord, you were in that. So almost everybody here has done that, right? So here's what I'm saying. Most people live their lives uh, uh, walking and looking this way. And then we said, you know, oh, that's not working. Uh, art. I got an A in art. No, I didn't. All right. So we live our life looking this way. And, and you know what? God doesn't want you to do that. that you might be surprised. God doesn't really. He, it's okay to look forward. It's okay to look at what's happening now. It's certainly okay to look back. But is there a better way to live? And you're ready for what it is? It's to look up. To look up. Colossians 3 verse 2 says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. That's what we're going to be talking about. How do you and I set our mind on the things above and not on the things of the earth? How do we make that happen? How do we discover what it's like to live that way? Which brings us to what happens in Jesus's day. You see, right now in the world we live in, in the lives we are are experiencing. Uh, We're watching people more than ever ask that question about purpose. Now, we always have asked it, but more than ever. Now, why am I saying that? Well, Patrick Lencioni is an expert on organizational management. His main forte is helping companies have a DNA 
that makes it good to work in that company. That actually you want to work there. You want to be a part of that. And so when Patrick Lencioni was uh, interviewed recently, he was interviewed on what is called the Great Resignation. Have anybody heard about the Great Resignation? That's where we are believing right now that one-third of the adults in this country are leaving their jobs to go work somewhere else. We're watching this huge resignation of people giving up careers, leaving the places they work to go work somewhere else. Now, here's the thing I want you to think through. Why? Why are so many people leaving their jobs? Why are so many people saying, you know what, I'm done. I'm not going to work here anymore. And here's, here's what Patrick Lencioni believes. He believes it's not money. And by the way, it looks like, we haven't been able to study it completely, it looks like he's right. It looks like the vast majority of people are not going to higher paying jobs. It's not money. So why would one third of the people say, I don't want to work where I'm working, I want to go work somewhere else. And here's what he believes. He believes, number one, they're looking for a place where they matter, where they're known. They, in other words, if they're working here and they don't feel like they're known, they don't feel like they matter, to, they're not cared about, then they're going to leave that place to go work somewhere where they are cared about. Number two, get ready for this. They want to do something that has significance. They want to have a purpose for why they go to work. They don't just want to go and make money. They don't want to get on the hamster wheel and just spin it. So they would be willing, in many cases, to take less money if they could go and find more purpose. And number three, they want to be able to measure whether they're actually making a difference or not. They want to be in a place where they can say, not only I'm doing something that has significance, but I can see, I can see the outcome is working. Now here's the thing I want to tell you. I believe that God has put inside of each one of us uh, a knowledge, whether we know it or not, that we have a purpose. God created you on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose, and you should be living out that. When you're not living that out, there's dissatisfaction. When you're not living that out, you have a lack of contentment. As a matter of fact, you may have at one point done this. Huh. Something's missing. I see a head shaking, right? Yeah. Something's missing. Something's just not right. How about this one? I thought there would be more. Well, guess what? There is more. There is better. Uh, but how do you get there? Well, you've got to live according to your must, like Jesus, Luke 9, 22. His must came into play, and everything in his life was all about that. By the way, it wasn't a new thing. Everything in Luke 1 to 8 was aiming at the must. Everything in Luke 9 on is looking back at this must that he's going to fulfill. And you have a must. You have a must that you need to fulfill. But what happens very often is things get us off course or we're not looking to God. We're not setting our face to God. We're not looking up to him and keeping our focus fixed there. And so what happens is we end up uh, living our lives according to, get ready to this, according to our own understanding. Now that's a problem because in Proverbs chapter three, what does it say? It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on what? Your own understanding. Yet most of us live our lives on our own understanding. So guess what? Then you miss out. But if, and this is where we're going today. If you trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Next thing, 
in all your ways acknowledge him, then guess what? He said, I'll direct your path. So that's what God is saying. He said, I will direct your path. I will show you the steps to take. I will show you where to go. So what I was saying is this God who works in the upper story will now begin to be somebody you see, someone you're aware of. Now, where do we see that at in the life of Jesus? Right after he delivers the must, he begins to go to fulfill the must. His must, if you're brand new, was, I must go to Jerusalem, and I must be betrayed, and I must suffer, and I must die, but then I'll rise again. Now, now he, he said, that is what I need to do. Why did he need to do it? If, just to kind of make sure you don't miss that. He needed to do it because he needed to die for our sins. He needed to die for you because you matter. He needed to die for you because he loved you. And when he died on that cross, his blood was shed and forgiveness and cleansing came. And that could not happen apart from him doing that. He was the only one who could save. And that's why he is the only true savior. And then what happens, he conquered death and he calls for you to come into a relationship with him where you know him and you focus on him and see him and you begin to discover your purpose, your must. So Jesus knew the must and he told all his best friends, I must, I must, I must. And then he starts on a journey to Jerusalem. Now what happens on that journey to Jerusalem? Look what it says in Luke chapter nine. It says this, When the days were approaching for his ascension, for his must to happen, he was determined to go to Jerusalem. Now, here's the interesting thing. The word determined in Greek, and if you're brand new, the the New Testament was written in Koine Greek. Uh, The word uh, determined literally means to set his face. It means to set his face. In other words, he was determined to go. He's resolute. What was he saying? He said, I was laser focused on my musts. I was looking at my must. But how did he have that happen? Because he was in connection with God. See, when you're in connection with God, when your focus is on God, then you can be laser focused on fulfilling your purpose. And that's what Jesus did. So he set his face. He set his face. Do you know what that means? Some of you have heard that term in a little different way. You've had a moment where someone said, are you looking at me? Look at me, look at me. I don't think you're listening. Do you ever do that to your kids? Oh, come here, look at me. Okay, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah. Usually, you know, I'll be with Pam and she's like on her machine, her computer going swipe and I'm like, Pam, are you hearing what I'm saying? Pam, look at me. And she's like, you know, and <laughs> we all have that. Guess what Jesus is saying? I was looking at God. Jesus is also saying to you, look at me, look at me. And then when you look at him, you begin to experience an understanding like never before. Uh, The prophet Daniel lived that way. Daniel, uh, we're going to look at him uh, next week, by the way. But Daniel was one of the most amazing men who ever lived. As a matter of fact, according to God, there were three incredibly righteous men who lived, and Daniel was one of the three. Now, if God calls you out as one of the three most righteous men who ever lived, that's a pretty cool thing. So Daniel, Daniel was that way in part because he kept his focus on the Lord. And what happened to Daniel is Daniel was reading scripture. Daniel was studying the book of Jeremiah. And Daniel began to realize something. He began to realize 
that prophecy was being fulfilled in his day. That the word of God was pointing to things that were about to happen. But he didn't see everybody ready for it. He didn't see people ready to experience this great moment of prophetic fulfillment. Which, let me stop. Next week, we're going to talk about prophecy and prophetic fulfillment, okay? So, and that's a part of your must. But let's go back. So Daniel. Daniel says, "Uh uh-oh. What are we going to do? And here's what he does. He begins to look at the Lord more than ever. And Daniel, it says this. So I gave my attention to the Lord, Lord God, to seek him by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. I gave my attention. I gave my attention. Now the word gave my attention in the Hebrew, because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, is set my face. Interestingly, Daniel said, in a moment like that, I set my face on the Lord. Jesus said, I set my face on the goal. Do you notice how there's a similarity here between people who really know how to get it? They set their face. They give their attention. They're looking at what they should be looking at. They're focused on what they should be focused on. And so Daniel said, when I realize the times I'm living in and the prophecy being fulfilled right in, right in my Before my eyes, right in this moment, he said, I set my face to the Lord. Then, by the way, another kind of cool thing is the word supplications there. He said, I set my face towards the Lord. And I also had supplications. That word means to pitch a tent. Now, why is that important? Because he said, you know what? I'm not leaving until God tells me. I'm going to pitch a tent and meet with God and be with God. And by the way, if you uh, have been studying with us, you know that in the Old Testament, one of the most important things we see in the Old Testament was called the tent of the meeting, where God says, come meet with me, come meet with me. So Daniel said this, he said, Lord, the times I'm living in are too important. Uh, There's too many things going wrong. Uh, People aren't behaving the way they're supposed to behave. So I'm not going to look at them anymore. I'm going to set my face towards you. And I'm going to pitch a tent and hear from you. And that's how I'm going to stay on task. That's how I'm going to stay focused. And and that's what I want you and I to do. That's what I really want you to do. And so that's what we're going to see now. So going back to Jesus, Jesus has set his face to go to Jerusalem. And notice what it goes on to say. And he sent messengers on ahead of him. And they went. And they entered a village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him. So that means they went to the village and they said, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And and what do they want? They want someone to arrange for a place for him to stay and food for him to eat. And so that's what they think is going to happen. But they did not receive him. They were like, no, you can't stay here. I don't want you here. And so the apostles are like, what are you doing? It it was rude. It was disrespectful. But what they did not know was this. This is the big, big word right here. But they did not receive him because he, Jesus, was traveling toward Jerusalem. Now, please lean in with me. This is going to get very, very relevant to your life. Relevant to my life. They did not receive him, not because they were being rude although they were being rude. There was something going on underneath it all. And what was it? It was God who was working while they were all down here and all they can see are the Samaritans acting mean, acting cruel, acting rude, acting frustrating. 
but they don't know that God is influencing all this. Why? Because God has a timing that needs to take place. If Jesus, if Jesus had stayed in the Samaritan village, he would have been late. He would have been late on his appointment with the cross. He would have not fulfilled his must. By the way, going back to Daniel, Daniel gave a prophecy that said when this particular event happens, a, 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 a proclamation is made, 173,880 days from that proclamation, the Messiah will enter Jerusalem. See, there was an exact day, an exact time that Jesus had to be there. And so what happened is the, the apostles are saying, what is going on? And I want you to notice how they react to it in the next verse. It says when his, uh, his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down out of heaven and consume them? By the way, maybe you're not tracking with me, but I think a lot of us are like James and John. People... You know, you're at a drive through and they're going slow. God, would you just kill them? <laughs> you know what? You're, you're waiting for your kids. They won't come out and get in the car. I'm going to leave you. I'm, that's it. You guys are always late. I, I'm out the door. You know, somebody, anybody else here get honest about how impatient we can get? You know, any, okay, it's a few of you. The rest of you are so liars. But anyway, um, <laughs> Because we all get that way. We all get that way. But here's what I don't want you to miss. They, they were ready to react because their focus is here and not here. James and John, they're ready to say, let's call fire, come down out of heaven. And here's how Jesus responds to that. But he, Jesus, turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what kind of spirit you are of. You don't know right now that your spirit's off. You don't know that your focus isn't where it should be. He said, don't you get it? You're just not aware of what's going on right now, of what really, really matters. And so he's wanting them to know that. He's wanting them to, to take a step back and not be caught up in that. And notice the next verse says this, or that's the last verse on this section. But it says, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went on to another village. He said, don't you guys realize something? I'm here not to destroy people. I'm here not to burn people. I'm here not to light people up that way. I'm here to bring love, healing, cleansing, freedom. And if I don't get to Jerusalem on my day, that's not going to happen. You know, if James and John were to show up here today, I don't think that many of us would see them the way that we expect to see them. They were known as the sons of thunder. In other words, if they walked in the building, they'd have big old beers and leather jackets and, and probably rode Harleys as they come in and parked them in the wrong spot and said, uh, when someone said you can't park there, they're like, uh, and walk by. <laughs> and yet, you know what's so interesting that because of Jesus and because John and James got their focus on Jesus, they, they, they experienced amazing transformation. They went from guys who wanted to call fire down on people, destroy people, attack people, rip people, be impatient with people. John turned into one of the most kind, loving, caring people you can imagine. As a matter of fact, his nickname became the Apostle of Love. He just became that way. You see, when you get your focus in the right place, you start to change. 
You're different in how you act and how you react. Everything begins to change. But you got to get your focus there. See, Jesus looked at him and said, you don't know what kind of spirit you guys are of. I've come to love. I've come to heal. You want to bring destruction. By the way, not trying to keep getting on this, but I can't not say it. One of the scariest things about COVID to me wasn't COVID. The scariest thing was how many Christians turned to being hateful during this season. Wanting destruction. Wanting to go to war. By the way, the Bible doesn't say blessed are the war makers. Right? It says blessed are the what? Peacemakers. By the way, John was still strong. John was still tough. But he used all that strength to focus on what he should focus on. And be who he should be. And, and he began to understand something. Now, don't miss this. This is in Isaiah chapter 55, uh, where it says this. It says, seek Yahweh while he may be found. In other words, what I want you to do, what God's saying to you and to me, he said, I want you to seek me. I want you to look up at me. Keep your eyes on me. Call upon him while he's near. He says, that's how I want you to live your life. And then it goes on to say in verse seven, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to Yahweh and he will have compassion on him and to our God and he will abundantly pardon. So here's one, don't miss this. He said, I want you to focus on me and I want you to make sure you're not acting wickedly. I don't want you calling fire down from heaven. I don't want you getting upset and mad. I want you to have a whole different way of living. That's what he's saying in that moment. And then it goes on to say in verse eight, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares Yahweh. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, here's what I want you to know is if I lean on my understanding, if I go by my own thoughts, I'm almost always gonna miss the Lord. I'm not gonna live out my must. So the Lord is saying to me, Chuck, don't lean on your own understanding. You're not as smart as you think you are. And your thoughts don't always align with mine. So focus on me and seek me and call to me and then you're gonna have the right focus. And then forsake the wickedness of that. Don't be wicked. Don't be caught up in the wickedness of the moment. Now, I don't know about you, but all the time, there's a temptation to do that because people can be frustrating. Circumstances can not be going your way. And, and things don't work out the way we want them to all the time. Pam and I were at uh, Johnny Carino's over in Eastvale, and, and we were super hungry. And I put in our name, and they said, it's going to be 15 minutes, 15 minutes before you uh, get your table. And we're like, oh, that's not a big deal. 20 minutes later, I go over and I say, um, how much longer is it going to be? Because I'm starving. And, she, and the girl says, oh, you're at the top of the list. You'll be next. So we go and sit down. And five minutes later, 10 minutes later, they're not invited, nobody's calling our name. 20 minutes goes by. And I'm thinking, I'm frustrated. But I, I th also thought this, I really did. I thought, but I'm preaching a message on not getting frustrating at people this weekend. <laughs> and Pam looked at me. Pam, by the way, I'm married to a woman who lives in the upper story. She's always looking to the Lord. And so I, I, I thought, you know, I could go complain. I could go say what's wrong. I could go. So I walk up to the server 
or I mean the hostess. I walk up to the hostess, I said, hey, I know we're at the top of the list. How long are, is it gonna be? And she looked at me and said, two hours. And I said, two hours? Are you, I'm at the top of the list, it'll be two hours? She said, yeah. The kitchen's backed up. The manager said, we can't take anybody. And I said, oh, okay. And, and she goes, I should have told you. <laughs> at that moment, fire from heaven. No. <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, hey, you know what? I know, you're, I know it's not your fault. I know this is a tough time. Um, it, you know what? It's, it's okay. We're going to go ahead and head out, but we're not mad. And I just tried to assure her. And so I, I wanted to not let wickedness take over. And I turned, take two steps, and someone goes, Pastor Chuck. <laughs> I am so glad I'm not the Pastor Chuck who was cussing at her and, yeah, <laughs> taking it out on a young girl who doesn't have any authority. But, you know, here's the question. What was God doing? Was God doing something? I think there's a high likelihood, yes. I, I think it could be he was slowing me down and keeping me from a traffic accident that was about to happen, and now I'm not going to be in that place at that time. I think it could be he wanted me to talk to that couple that I got to talk to that I wouldn't have been able to talk to had we been taken to our table. I, I think it could be that the Lord said, you just preached on gluttony. You didn't need that food. Go eat something healthy. I believe with all my heart that if we are going to ever fulfill our must, that we've got to look to the Lord. We've got to ask him what's going on. We've got to get into that area of the upper story. And so how do we do that? Let me give you some ways to do that. Uh, how do you set your face on God? Number one, you've got to seek him. That's what Isaiah started out with. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And so you and I need to do that. You need to be giving your God attention. Giving your God focus. And saying, Lord, is that you? See, here's what I want to have you even do. Let's just all do this together. The next time people are frustrating, the next time circumstances don't go your way, the next time something just doesn't seem to be working out, what if you just go, oh, take a breath. Is that you, Lord? I'm serious, by the way. What if you just ask? Does anybody think if you ask God that things could go better? Uh, and, and you just say, Lord, is it you? Lord, are you doing something I don't understand? Are you working something out I, I'm not aware of? Lord, is that you? Is that you? Uh, quite a few of you I know I, I've got to talk to know that Pam and I uh, bought a, a new house for us. It's a new, not a new house, but a new house to us. And what happened is, uh, is we got a call from Jim, who was the former owner of the house we were in, and said, hey, have you and Chuck ever thought about selling your house? And Pam said no, and she said, hey, Jim wanted to know if we wanted to sell our house. And I said, well, that's odd. And uh, I said, what'd you say? And Pam said, well, I told him we'll pray about it. And I thought, okay, we'll pray about it. And I thought, here's what I thought. I thought, we're going to pray about it and not do anything. Anybody else do that? Hey, will you pray about it? Sure. I'll pray about that. Not going to do it. <laughs> no. <laughs> the more we prayed... We just sat and looked at each other and said, hey, God wants us to sell this house. We believe that with all our heart. We're both getting that. And uh, so we gave our focus to him. Put our house on the market. It sold like that. Then it fell out. A whole, there's a whole, I won't get into the story. 
Um, but what happened is we ended up going, literally saying, God, then where do you want us to go? And we drew a circle. And we said, we gotta be close enough to Crossroads to stay active here. By the way, all of you who said, are you leaving Crossroads, you're retiring? No, we're not doing that. Okay, we're still here. Um, but we drew a circle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, and we figured, how can we still be effective and then be, be in a place to where God wants us to be? So we ended up thinking it could either be Wrightwood or Lake Arrowhead area. And uh, we thought that's what we'll, we'll do. And so what happened, here's where I'm going, is uh, we went, found this house that we thought was perfect. I mean, we were just like, it's it, it's it, it's it. And so I actually told Tracy, I'm like, we found the perfect house. Look at the pictures. And then about an hour later, I got a call that someone else offered $100,000 more than we did. I'm like, oh, this is not good. So every place we started looking at, people were buying it for usually 100000 over asking. And Pam and I are like, we can't do that. There's just no way. And I remember we, there's another house. We're like, it's the best one ever. And Tim Roberts texted and said, did you get it? And I texted, no, we didn't get it. And Tim texted back, well, that's okay. God's got you. And I'm looking at it going, I hope so. But I knew he did. But where I'm going is this. We finally got to where we're just about to get into this house that now we own. And some people started operating with a lack of integrity. And we weren't going to join them in it. They started doing things that were wrong, that were horrible. And Pam and I sat there and said, we would rather lose the house than ever do something unrighteous like that. And so we began to look at God and say, all right, Lord, this is it. We're okay. Whatever you want to do, you do. And you know what? We began to seek him in that moment. And then as it happened, God not only worked it out, or this is maybe not going to be as, I'll tell you anyway, no mitigation. Had it worked out in our timing, we would have been caught in a snowstorm and couldn't have moved. Had it worked out in God's timing, guess what? We just moved in when it was beautiful weather. And, uh, and it was fine. Do I believe God orchestrated all that? Answers, yes, I do. And I just kept telling God, you know, I'm looking to you. I'm looking to you. So we need to, number one, seek the Lord. Number two, let's go back to that. We need to make sure that we're not being wicked or unrighteous. We need to make sure we're not being wicked or unrighteous. In other words, that maybe I'm not using the best words. Let me use this one. Don't be frustrated, irritated, and on edge. Because you're not going to hear from God when that happens. You're creating static that keeps the word of God from coming to you, the message of God from getting to you. So what you and I need to do in that moment is not be a James and John and say, Lord, call fire down out of heaven on them. No, say, Lord, it's you. There's something else going on here. So you know what? Let me say this. When your young child won't get in the car and, and you're just so upset they won't get it, stop and don't be upset. Stop and say, okay, maybe the Lord's using my child to, to do something I don't even see in the moment. And you know what? React with kindness, not with impatience and frustration. Uh, when people are rude to you, uh, you know, the Bible's pretty clear. If someone hits you on the right cheek, what do you do? You hit them back as hard as you can. No, no. <laughs> what if you actually turn the other cheek and said, hey, and we're kind to them? I said, maybe, I said, are you having a bad day? Are things going hard on you? And what if you stepped back and had that kind of an attitude? What I'm saying to you is you'd start hearing from the Lord. 
And so what you and I need to do is seek the Lord while he may be found. Make sure we're not doing anything unrighteous. Then number three, we need to trust that God's ways are higher than our ways and God's thoughts are better than our thoughts. So here's where I'm going with this. I'm going to encourage you this week to know that God is the one who cares about every detail of your life. God loves you. It says in Psalm 139, you've never took a step he did not watch you take. You never sat down in a place he didn't see you sit down. Uh, they, you never lo- laid down on a bed he didn't know you were going to lay down on it. God actually has his eye on you all the time. You know what it's kind of like? I have that Find Friends app. And I'm always wondering, where's Pam? Where's Pam? Oh, Disneyland. And uh, <laughs> God says, I, I'm always watching you because you're my friend. And I love you. You're my child, and I care about you. And so I want to ask you to do this. What if you begin to pray about every single step you take? The big decisions and the small ones. Uh, Pam and I try to do that. Uh, If it's, you know, we know we're going to go out to eat, we pray and say, Lord, where should we go? I'm going to ask you to do that. Do that. Pray about that. Uh, If you're going to go get gas, pray about where you're going to go get gas. Uh, If you're going to... uh, 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 If you're going to buy a new home, pray about your new home. Some of you want to get out of California, pray about it and say, God, where do you want us to go? Uh, The big decision, the small decision. Maybe you're a part of the great resignation. You want a new job? Pray about every aspect of that new job. Ask God to give you details about it and write them down. And you know what you're going to find? You're going to find that God will move in your life in an incredible way. So you're not going to live like most people, all caught up in the circumstances. Or like a lot of us looking back going, oh, it was the Lord. It's going to be better. You're going to look up and know in the moment. Hey, you're here. You love me. You're Yahweh, the ever-present one. And you're going to live like that. But by the way, let me say this. You can't live that way with God unless you're in connection with him. And the only way you become someone who's in connection with God, in a relationship with God, is because of what Jesus did when he fulfilled his must. He died on the cross for our sins. And the Bible says in that beautiful verse in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son the must that Jesus was given that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So you know what? Right now, you come into that connection with God by believing that he loves you so much he gave his only son for you. He did because you sinned. You sin a lot, but God loves you more. And he wants you to be freed from that sin. He wants you to know his love. He wants to actually bring a freedom from the past and a beginning of the new. And right now, some of you need that. Some of you need to say to God, I want to give my life to you and start living my life with you and connection with you. Some of you, you need to recommit your life. You need to say, you know what? I really, really want to be with him. I want to know his love. I, I want to be back. But God wants you. So today, I'm going to lead a time of prayer for anybody who wants to commit or recommit your life to God. You could pray it alone. You could pray it as a couple. You could pray it with friends. You can pray it with me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I I pray today that you would just really, truly help us understand, help us realize how every detail of our life is you care about. 
and you have a plan and in the upper story things are happening things are taking place that would allow us to be more and more aware of your interaction in our life of your intercession in our life and I pray today for some people who need that they need you right now because life is hard they need you right now because there's a lot of pain There are some who need you right now because they're aware that they've messed things up. And Lord, I pray right now that anyone who's not in connection with you would open their heart to you and call out to you. I pray for that, Lord. I pray they'd send you right now. They'd know that you love them. I pray right now they'd know that. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me where you're ready to say yes to God or you're ready to say, I want to be back. Lord, I want to be back. I want to be close to you. So pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me and I know you died on the cross for me and you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. And I pray you'll free me. Free me from anything or anyone that's holding me down or holding me back. But most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. And I pray you'll make me alive. And I pray you'll make me brand new. So I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen if you prayed that prayer. And if you prayed that prayer, praise God. And if you're watching online and you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to do this. Text amen to 77247. Uh, Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Text amen to 77247 so we can connect with you and help you know next steps to take to get even closer to God and to live the life we've been talking about today. Thanks again for joining us. Here at Crossroads, we're all about helping people take their next step. So, what's your next step? Whether you've made a decision to follow Jesus, want to be baptized, or you're interested in knowing more about God and the Bible through our Alpha class, we can help you take your next step at crossroadschurch.family. We also want to invite you to gather your family and friends to join us right here online again next week. We're live Wednesdays at 7 p.m. or Sundays at 9 a.m. So if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss out on any new messages. If you found this message encouraging, click the like button and let us know how we can pray for you this week in the comments. Finally, if your life is being impacted by Crossroads and if you wanna be part of making an impact all over the world, you can head to crossroadschurch.family to do that now. Thanks again for watching and we'll see you next time.